Welcome in to Locked On Phillies. The Phillies have lost six of their last eight. And is manager Joe Girardi on the hot seat early in the season? I'll tell you my thoughts as well as recapping a Marlins series to forget in today's Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I am your host, Connor Thomas. Been talking Phillies baseball for years on the radio at 97.5 Fanatic. Now happy to be with you here. As your host of Locked On Phillies, I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be here, good times or bad. And right now, unfortunately, it's the latter. The Philadelphia Phillies have lost six of their last eight baseball games. They lost three of four to the Miami Marlins down there in Miami. They cannot exercise their demons of South Florida baseball. And I don't know what it is about that Marlins team, but every time they face the Phillies, regardless of if the Phillies bring in new players or get more talented or anything, the Phillies just can't handle them. I, I don't know what it is. And part of the onus has got to be put on manager Joe Girardi. Now, I went back and forth with a couple people on Twitter this weekend when dealing with the fallout of the Philadelphia Phillies losing that series in Miami, losing three or four to the Miami Marlins, and where to place the blame. And I'm not saying the entirety of the blame gets placed on Joe Girardi. I don't even know that the majority of the blame should get placed on Joe Girardi. That's not my point in questioning whether or not he's on the hot seat. Here's why his seat is warming up a little bit, though. Like if uh, if 100 degrees is like you're getting fired tomorrow, he's at like – I don't know, 65, 70 degrees. Like, it's not overly hot, but you could get a good sweat going in that chair right now. If you're moving around a little bit and stuff like that, you can you can break a little bit of a sweat if you're getting the heart rate up. The heart rate might be raised a little bit due to the temperature of the seat, is all I'm saying. And there's, there's a ways to go. And you walk outside at 70 degrees, it sure feels a lot different than 100. So I'm not, no one should be calling for any manager's job on April 18th. And that's not what I'm doing. That's not remotely what I'm doing. Here's what I'm saying. When you have a team as talented as the Philadelphia Phillies with the money that's been committed to this payroll this year, you need to win ballgames. You need to have results. The team hasn't made the playoffs for a decade. This team is certainly talented enough to make the playoffs. And if you don't make the playoffs, you better come damn close if you're Joe Girardi or else Dave Dombrowski will be looking for other options at manager. And let's first... Go ahead and actually, you know, no, we're going to get into the Girardi thing. I'll talk about the Marlins series and some takeaways from that. But this is the most compelling part of this early season. There have been some decisions that Joe Girardi has made that has led to this team being at a disadvantage. And they're minor. And one of the tweets I got was, yeah, well, fans are always going to second guess the manager because so many of the calls in baseball are like judgment calls about when to bring in this guy and who to start here and this, that, and the other thing. I get that. And managers, it's part of the job that you're going to be questioned by media and the fan base alike, and that's fine. It doesn't mean you're wrong. But there's some things that Girardi has done this year that just it's hard to explain why he'd be doing it. The first one, we're going to start with obvious one that a lot of people brought up yesterday when the lineup came out. Here is the lineup. 
for the final game against the Miami Marlins, in which the Philadelphia Phillies, if you didn't catch it, well, yeah, they lost 11-3. to It was not a great performance at all. It was one to forget. It was one that, frankly, hope we never – like, I hope I never see highlights. I hope I never hear about it again. It was that bad of a game, an 11-3 to loss down there in Miami with nothing really inspiring – Besides, I don't know what, Bryce Harper hit a home run and Kyle Schwarber hit a home run. So if you think that's a breakout for them, maybe that's enough to get you excited heading into their upcoming series with the Colorado Rockies. But here's what the lineup was. It was JT Romero batting leadoff now, an interesting switchup, which I don't really have that much of a problem with. Bryce Harper in the two-hole, Nick Castellanos in the three-hole, Reese Hoskins batting cleanup and Kyle Schwarber down there in fifth. The reason that Joe Girardi gave for switching around the lineup is he didn't like opposing teams to be able to see Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber in the same half inning, having them bat within three batters because of the new rule, a relief pitcher has to face three batters at minimum before they can get taken out of the game. So what that does is it breaks up the left, the power hitting lefties and adds a little more diversity to how the lineup's built. I don't hate that, but it was Harper, Castellanos, Hoskins, Schwarber, then Segura, Didi Gregorius, Johan Camargo, and Simone Muziani. And here's why I emphasize Johan Camargo, who went 0 for 3 on the afternoon. You had, going into Sunday's game, in a game that you were fighting to steal the split in that series and trying to avoid losing your second straight NLE series to the Miami Marlins. Well, it was your second straight NLE series. The first one was to the Mets. This one was to the Marlins, to clarify that. But you needed this game. This was a game where you had to go out and... Really, frankly, you've got Zach Wheeler on the mound. You should win this game. And Alec Bohm, going into it, was hitting 700 on the year. His batting average was 700. If he had gotten 10 at-bats, the numbers say he would have gotten on base, would have gotten a hit, not just on base, a hit in 7%. There are seven of them out of 10. 700, 70%. That's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. I don't care that it's early in the season. That means that guy is hot. I don't care what he gives you defensively. When he's batting 700 through nine games, play him. Put him in. Sorry if I just blew out someone's eardrums by yelling like that, but it's ridiculous that Johan Camargo got that start batting now 269 on the year over Alec Bohm, who even though he pinched it and went 0 for 1. So he got out. He's still batting 636. I just, I just don't get it. He's got an 818 slugging percentage. It's absolutely preposterous that Joe Girardi did not start Alec Baum yesterday, regardless of what he gives you defensively. And that's not the only thing that Girardi has done. That's been a little bit questionable. There have been some weird off days for guys where Reese Hoskins is getting a random day off. JT Romuto is missing random starts at catcher because of some pitching matchup that they like. I I, I don't know. The lefty-righty stuff with Bryson Stott and Alec Baum that we thought, okay, Stott was going to get righties. Baum gets lefties. Girardi hasn't really been sticking to that concretely. And he never said, in fairness, he never said he would, but that's just what you assume they would do with a left-handed bat at third base that you like and a right-handed bat at third base that you like. You imagine, okay, we'll just split those on and off. And then on like one in 10 games, Johan Camargo is going to get a start somewhere or he'll get a start when Didi Gregorius needs to rest. That's the other thing. Take a look at what Didi Gregorius is doing. He's batting 265 right now. That you could easily go ahead and put Bryson Stott at shortstop over uh, Didi Gregorius if you wanted to, but for some reason, Didi Gregorius is stuck in the lineup, and a lot of people 
part factoring it into the fact that, oh, he's a former Yankee and the relationship that him and Joe Girardi has. I don't know that it's that. I don't want to put it on that because I do think there's some benefit to having Didi Gregorius in the lineup. And I think defensively, he's been much better this year than he was last year in what, of course, is a small sample size. But the lineups have been weird. The off days have been weird. And there have been some pitching decisions. You saw it on opening day with Aaron Nola, where he got hit hard a couple times before giving up a home run to the Athletics that looked like he could have been pulled before that. Zach Wheeler yesterday kind of got hung out to dry. His velocity was way down, four or five miles an hour on his fastball. And Joe Girardi just kept with him until he gave up seven runs and basically took the Phillies out of the game. Nola as well in another start, Ranger Suarez, and that's in his first start. They were like, and he got pulled early, but he still could have gotten pulled sooner than that. It's just, here, here's the whole equation. Can you make questionable decisions as a manager and get away with it? Yes. Does your team need to win for you to keep your job? Not always, no. But in this situation for Joe Girardi and his third year as Phillies manager, with the pedigree he came in here with, with the roster that he now employs, and with the results of a 10-year playoff drought needing to be changed, like all of that factors in, he can't be making these mistakes. And when he does, the fan base gets upset. The fan base harps on it. Then it gets into the minds of people surrounding the organization and also gets into the mind of the front office and Dave Dombrowski. And eventually, if you underachieve enough, it's not totally fair because there are going to be managers out there that certainly have worse seasons than Joe Girardi. But he could lose his job because of the extenuating circumstances of the expectations of the job this year. It's just something that it's not a great situation right now, and it's still very early, but it's something to keep your eye on. As this Philly season progresses, how does that relationship between Joe Girardi and Dave Dombrowski continue on, and how does his performance basically set him up for either being back next season or having to worry about his job when everything's all said and done? Really early, not calling for his job, just saying the trends are showing us that if this continues this way, come September, we're going to be having serious conversations about the next manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, coming up, I'm going to tell you exactly why, and I'm going to break down my biggest concern, because I know coming into the Marlins series, I tried to tell you, relax. And after the first Marlins game, I said it again, relax. And we we still shouldn't be crazy and losing our minds over what the Phillies have done so far. Take a look at the NL East. They're not out of it by any means. No one's running away with it as far as the standings are concerned. I'll give you the standings actually right now. Let's go right over to the Philadelphia Phillies page here on ESPN. I'll read you out the NL East standings just to show you. They're in fourth right now, but as far as the standings are concerned, let's go ahead and click on that and get to the MLB standings. Yeah, no one's really running away with this whatsoever in the NL East. So the Phillies are fourth with the four and six record ahead of only the Washington Nationals in the NL East. It's not really anything crazy down there at the bottom. And they've got a chance to make up significant ground playing Colorado on the teams up at the top here in the NL East. So, of course, they're trailing the rest, the Mets, the Braves, of course, the Marlins. Now, that just bothers me so much to see the Philadelphia's Phillies behind the Miami Marlins in the standings. But it's Mets at 7-3. and three. And you've already seen you can hang with them, even in a bad series. The Braves are only 5-6. and six. Marlins are 4-5. and five, They're 4-6. and six. Nationals, 4-7. and seven. No one's running away with it. So we're not in panic zone yet. But I'll tell you on the other side some things to be concerned about from the Marlins series that we need to keep our eye on as the Phillies finish out this road trip in Colorado. 
But first, I want to tell you about my friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. So you can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs. The Sixers with a huge win Saturday. They play again later tonight. You can bet on the Sixers. Check out my boys over at Locked On Sixers. Devon Givens, Keith Pompey, they put on a great show here on the Locked On Network over in our basketball channel. So go ahead and check them out. And also the start of the Major League Baseball season. The Phillies are only 10 games in. Plenty of stuff to still be learned about this team. And if you feel like you've got a hunch on how they're going to perform, go over to Bet Online and make some money on it. That's because Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So go ahead and head to their website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, let's get into that recap of a series to forget the Marlins and the Phillies going ahead. And, uh, well, the Phillies only stealing one game out of four down there in South Florida, down in Miami, in that empty ballpark where there's no fans ever. But still, for whatever reason, the Phillies just can't find a way to win there. First game, I know we went through it. The Phillies lost 4-3. to three. It was a little bit of a late push by the Phillies in the later innings of that one that uh, led to that being a closer ball game than what it actually was as you go ahead and watch it back. The Phillies scored one in the top of the first, and then the Marlins got three in the bottom of the fourth, one in the fifth to go ahead and put them up. Two runs in the seventh, all three RBIs for the Phillies in that game, if you remember from Bryce Harper, but not enough to get that done. We've already recapped that game. It was a tough start, but it was like, okay, Kyle Gibson kind of had a uh, fall back after a great start, and he figured he'd come back to earth a little bit in his next one. Nothing too concerning in that one. It's just like, oh, okay, it's another loss, but they played it a good game. And then you come out and you lose 7-1 to one on Friday to the Miami Marlins. It's not great at all. That was the game I said when you looked at the pitching matchups. You wanted them to get facing against a pitcher in Lopez for the Marlins who – Frankly, he, you could have taken advantage of him, a right-handed pitcher who sets up well for your lefties to take advantage of and just never did. No one really hit well for the Phillies at all in that one. They had eight hits on the day. They just, they just couldn't turn it into any type of runs. Only one run, and it came in the eighth. They were scoreless for eight of the nine innings on the day. Meanwhile, the Marlins hung a bunch on Zach Eflin, four runs in the first two innings in what ended up being only a four-inning outing for Zach Eflin, three more off of the bullpen, and a 7-1 victory with 11 hits. It's just the offense was an issue in those first two. And it's like, okay, if you're going to score one to three runs all the time, it's going to be hard for you to win games because your pitching is not all that strong, at least not at this point. But then – a little bit of hope in the Saturday night game. And this is one that I really want to dive into because one, we haven't talked about it very much. And two, I know a lot of you were probably watching Sixers basketball. If you're a Philadelphia sports fan, the Sixers had a playoff game the same exact time as the Phillies had this game against the Marlins. So let's go ahead and recap because the Phillies jumped on the Marlins and Trevor Rogers early. He only got through one and two thirds with seven earned runs. That's a rough day at the office. And let's talk you through some of the lines as far as, well, let's go through the scoring first. So we can go play-by-play action here on the ESPN app that I'm using here on my laptop. and go through the scoring play so you can get an idea of what happened. The first inning, Phillies only scored two runs. It was a uh, bone sacrifice fly 
to center, which for Reese Hoskins. But then Bryce Harper, oh, he's still home. What a moment by Bryce. And it was that one of those hustle heads up plays to go ahead and take the extra base there, steal home, and kind of get the Phillies off and running with that momentum. All they needed was a shutdown, bottom of the first, and Ranger Suarez gave them that, allowing none there. And that's when it really exploded. Matt Veerling doubled the deep center, getting what was his first hit on the year, scoring Didi Gregorius, so an RBI there on Veerling's first hit, a nice breakthrough for him. Then Bryce Harper doubled the right, scoring Reese Hoskins and Matt Veerling, just like that. It's 5 nothing Phillies. Uh, Alec Bohm singled the center, scoring Harper, 6 nothing, And then Yohan Camargo doubled the right field. Bohm, Castellanos, both score on that one. It's beautiful. Uh, Jorge Soler was really the only power for the um, Marlins in this one. He had a homer 428 feet uh, for a two-run homer in the bottom of the fifth inning that ended uh, Ranger Suarez's day. But the Phillies bullpen kept them to only one run the rest of the way. And uh, the Phillies added a couple more in the top of the sixth. Nick Cassianos had an RBI. Alec Bohm, another one. So a big day for a couple of Phillies players in that one. And you felt like, okay, the offense is coming around. You can go ahead and uh, build something off of this performance when you have – Let's see. Nick Cassianos went two for four with an RBA. Alec Bohm went uh, two for three with three RBIs. Johan Camargo had two RBIs. Bryce Harper had two more RBIs. He went one for three but scored three runs. And you kind of felt like that was the breakthrough performance. And, okay, you'll get the ender of the series, and you'll make it a 2-2 split, and then you'll head into Colorado with some momentum. And then yesterday the Phillies went ahead and they had that 11-3 performance that we all want to forget about that I believe most people probably turned off at some point in that game to go watch playoff basketball. Uh, I can't blame you with that because it was an uninspiring performance yesterday from the Phillies. I, I just – I don't even know what to say about the efforts that they're putting out there. Kyle Schwarber homered, Bryce Harper homered, but that was really the only big offensive push from the Phillies in that one. And they gave up 11 runs. Zach Wheeler looked terrible. His velocity was down. It was just, it was a bad day. It was a really, really bad day. And it's been a stream of them recently with basically one exception. But when you give up seven earned runs as a starting pitcher, you're not going to win those games. It's over from that point. There's nothing you can do. It would take a superhuman effort for the Phillies to come back. And sometimes this offense may be capable of that in the future, but not the way they're swinging it right now. Bryce Harper went three for five. He's clearly starting to heat up. He had two RBIs on this one. He's starting to have himself a little bit better of a year now that he's getting settled in at the dish. So maybe he'll be enough to carry them, but like with this lineup, he shouldn't have to be. Kyle Schwarber went two for four. Maybe he gets back around. So the two guys that were struggling, Harper and Schwarber, they're starting to hit a little bit down near the back end of that Marlins series. So maybe that's the positive is that we're starting to see signs of life from those two, but the whole team needs to string it together and the pitching needs to vastly improve. The starting pitching is the sixth worst in baseball by their ERA. It's not a great situation right now. That means that there are 24 teams or 23. I'm not a big math fan. 23 or 24 teams that have a better starting pitching rotation than the Phillies. And that's a rotation that includes Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez. Like that pitching rotation should be significantly better. And the bullpen hasn't been all that bad. But when the starters implode, the bullpen needs to pick them up. And they haven't been doing enough of that either. It's just been a cavalcade of suck for the Phillies recently to use a term that my friend Jamie Lynch on the John Kincaid show uses every once in a while. 
over on 97.5, the Fanatic. And the only way the Phillies pull out of it is continue to play, put the right lineup out there, looking at you, Mr. Girardi, and hope that the numbers even out. They will eventually. We've just got to slug through this tough time for the Phillies right now. And that's just the nature of the beast. But enough about the Marlins series. We've got the Rockies series coming up. It's another winnable series for the Phillies, even though the Rockies are above 500 uh, out there in the NL West. You've got an opportunity. So we'll take a look at some of the matchups. We'll look at tonight's pitching matchup for the Rockies and the Phillies. And we'll also do, it's a little bit late. I know this is Monday's episode, but because of the Easter holiday, didn't get one out this weekend. We'll have an off the pole uh, on uh, some of the Phillies struggles that I'll tell you about in just a second. Something I want you to be checking out, though, is our Locked On Now podcast. You've been seeing the nows I've been putting out, the immediate reaction. They haven't all been great recently because, uh, well, bad games. Bad games means not as fun to do the immediate reaction thing, but they're great. They're really insightful, and you only get that here at Locked On. There's nowhere else, no other network that gives you immediate reaction from the fans and the hosts and the people you trust to give you information on your team right after the game, day in and day out. So go check out Locked On Now, our Locked On Now podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you, as always, for making Locked On Phillies your first lesson. But make sure you're also checking out those Locked On Nows for immediate daily reactions to all of the latest action across Major League Baseball. I've also got to tell you about Built Bar, because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, and this is the time of year where summer's right around the corner and you're starting to feel that pressure of, hey, I got to get all cut up or bulked up for the beach. You got to look good when the weather warms up, the clothes get tighter, you can wear less, you're showing off the arms, you're showing off the legs, you're wearing shorts, you're wearing tank tops. You got to be in great shape. And the best way to do it is Built Bar. Built Bar is awesome. Listen to some of these numbers in this protein bar. So you're going to, I'll tell you what you're going to say in a second, but they've got 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That's amazing numbers. So I know you're going to say, oh, it probably tastes like your average protein bar, where it's like, uh, it doesn't really taste like candy. It tastes like you don't really want to eat it. It tastes like healthy food. Well, Built Bar, not them. It's 100% real chocolate coating on the outside of these Built Bars. Plus, they have protein-infused marshmallows. Those are called their puffs, and they taste amazing. Their regular product tastes amazing, too. Listen to some of these flavors. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Mm, that tastes amazing. I'm going to have one right after I get done recording this because I'm about to head to the gym, and I use Built Bar to get ready for my workout every single day, and they taste amazing. That's because at Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy, and I don't know how but they pull it off every single time. So I want you to go to built.com and you can use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's 15% off with code LOCK15 at built.com. All right, it's time to preview Phillies Rockies game one, which will take place tonight out there in Denver, Colorado. And well, you know the story, first of all, before we get into the actual matchups, you know the story with Denver, Colorado, Mile High City. You know how that park plays out there at Coors Field. It's an absolute hitter's park because of how thin the air is. The ball just flies like crazy out of there. So a great opportunity, despite any weather, maybe a little bit colder there than it is here in Philly. And it's a cold day today. You can see by me wearing my winter hat here. Now, of course, I'm wearing the classic black. It's got to be a hoodie this time, but because the Phillies lost another series, I'm wearing the black funeral attire. But anyway, 
you know that it could be even colder out there in Colorado, but the ball will still fly because of the air. So an opportunity for the Phillies offense to get right. Also something that pitchers are going to have to neutralize in this series. The pitching matchup for game one is Aaron Nola facing off against Chad Cool. Nola with a 6.75 ERA and a 107 whip so far on the season in nine and a third innings pitch. Chad Cool has not had a win or a loss. He's got 2.08 ERA, though, and a 138 whip and only four and a third innings pitch. Only two hits given up so far on the year. Uh, he's walked four, though, so the Phillies need to be a little bit more patient. Has not allowed a home run yet in those first four and a third innings. But a right-handed pitcher that the Phillies should be able to take advantage of. You're not going to see anything crazy special from Cool that you should be overly worried about. An offense like this, this is a guy that you should be able to go ahead and hang two, three, four runs on, especially hitting in Colorado. Here are the guys to watch out for defensively, though, for the Rockies. Or, well, I guess defensively, if you're the Phillies playing defense, the Rockies offense, I mean. So Connor Joe, young guy, name you might not know, he's been on fire for the Rockies to start. He's batting 361 on the year. He's a doubles machine. He's just an absolute monster so far early in the season. He's a guy that if you're not familiar with him, you're going to be by the end of the series because he's hot right now. That's someone that will have to be neutralized by Aaron Nola and the other pitchers who come through in this series. And then C.J. Crone is the guy for RBIs and home runs. He's leading the Rockies in power numbers. He's got five homers already on the year, 10 RBIs already on the year. To put that in perspective, Bryce Harper leading the Phillies with only two home runs. He does have nine RBIs, though. So a good RBI season so far for Harper. But Crone is doing very well for Colorado, and they've actually gotten off to a good start. They've got a 6-3 and three record. They're 4-3 and three at home, though, so they're susceptible there at home. All three losses have come in their home ballpark. So, hey, the Phillies have a chance. We'll see what's going on tonight and see if the Phillies can pull one off in 8.40 start. So an hour, well, actually two hours later than what you're used to here in Philadelphia with the 6.40 first pitches. So you're going to have to stay up a little bit late. But make sure you do because the Phillies have a real chance to go ahead and get a win and start to right the ship tonight. you got to hope that they do. We'll let you know the lineup and everything. I'll retweet that from at LO underscore Phillies. When that comes out and from at Connor Thomas 975 on Twitter, you'll be able to see all that and get an idea. And hopefully that works out. All right, let's do Off the Poll, the segment where I put out a poll question on our Twitter accounts that I just gave to you, and uh, you respond. It's your chance as a fan to fill out your response to what I'm asking, and then tomorrow's episode, we'll go ahead and respond to that in our last segment. So that's why it's called Off the Poll. It's a poll question, but it's like Off the Poll, like a home run that hits off the fountain. You get it? It's like the double meaning. Yeah, it's a nice little baseball fun there. It's somewhat clever. I like to think it's pretty clever. But, yeah, I'm just going to poll you as the fan base to go ahead and see how you feel on an issue. And then I'll save my judgment for tomorrow's episode. And I'll tell you what I think. That way I don't bias you and your response. And then I'll respond to what the majority of the fans said, which direction you went, and say whether or not I agree or disagree. This one. Simple. We're sticking with the manager. It's what we talked about earlier today. Is Joe Girardi on the hot seat? Yes or no? Actually, you know what? I'm going to word that. Is it too early in the season for Joe Girardi to be on the hot seat? Because I know that's going to be a lot of the criticism for that poll. Oh, it's 10 games in. So tell me. I want to see if most people agree with that. Is it too early for Joe Girardi to be on the hot seat? Very simple. I'll post the Twitter poll. You can go ahead and respond. And we'll go ahead and check out the responses on tomorrow's Locked On Philly. So that's off the poll. I'm excited to see what you guys say there and see how you're feeling about the manager because I'm a, I'm a little worried about Girardi right now and what he's doing with his team and what the future of his time in Philadelphia could be if this team continues to underachieve. 
That's all I've got for you today for Locked On Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now I want you to check out Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan. Make sure you call him Sully, and uh, he's awesome. He's a baseball encyclopedia. He can tell you everything about anything that's ever happened in baseball, and he does an amazing job of telling a great story of the game as well as keeping you up to date on the uh, around the league happenings in the modern era. So check out Sully on Locked on MLB. It should be your second listen. It's a great baseball podcast for a baseball nut like you and like me. That's all we've got for today. I want to thank you for listening, joining us, and be back with you tomorrow with another episode. In the meantime, please make sure you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, five stars, saying some stuff, giving me feedback, all of that. And rating and reviewing, the more reviews and likes and subscribers I get, the better this show gets and the more stuff I can do to help you get the best Phillies content every day. So I appreciate all of you who have already done that. Continue to do that, please, to help giving you to help give you the best Locked on Phillies experience possible. That's all I've got. That's our time for today. And I will speak to you all tomorrow.